Hi, everybody. It's your host, K. Did. Welcome back to Hear Our Voices. I know it has been forever. We haven't seen you since December. Technically, you haven't heard me since December. But I hope you listened to all the episodes and caught up, catch yourself up on what we had provided for you in the previous season. As you might see, this is season two. I'm so happy that we got here this far, and I hope you like what we have in store for you. So we have a special guest. All my guests are special, but this guest is really doing a lot for the homeless community, and I hope you love his story. I hope you like this episode, and follow us on Twitter. Everything will be in the description box. Follow us on Instagram. If you want to follow me at Kata Davis on Instagram, and also our person who's going to speak, he'll tell you more about his what you can follow him also because he's doing so much good work in New York City and around. So, um, so I'm gonna introduce you to Shem. How are you doing today? How's everything? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm good, good to be here with you. Yes. So we're gonna get a, bit, a little bit about how everything first started for you with the homeless shelter system in New York City. If you don't mind us telling us that story. Well, the do you know the the. You know, obviously, um, the story could be uh, quite extensive, but to make it real simple, I, um, I'm a product of the foster care system since the age of two. Um, started experiencing homelessness at the age of 10 and was permanently discharged into the streets at the age of 12. Uh, so I've known homelessness well from being a child. That was- Hold, up, hold up, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Already it started off kind of like, Bam, bam. I honestly don't know your story. So you're telling me this, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I do foster care. I'm a foster parent. So I hear a lot of what? stories about foster kids, which I think is ridiculous as it is. But you was in this, as you said, the, the age of two. You said they yeah. discharge you at the age of 12. Are they allowed to do that? Yeah, well, of course they're not allowed to do it, but I was in a group home at the time, and I was, um, I was how you say, um, always AWOL, right? You know, the conditions. I grew up in foster care, but when I was in the group home, that adjustment period was like a lot. Um, and I was, my brother and I, we were like real young. We really shouldn't have been in a group home, but they didn't have a choice. It was the lesser of two evils. The other one being putting us in an orphanage. Um, so we ended up there and I started going AWOL and stuff like that. And there was a process every time to get back in. So I, I like I said, around 12, I, I, you know, I went, I returned like normal and they were like, you've been discharged. You can't come back no more. And I'm like, where am I going to go? And they just said, go back to where you came from. And they was assuming that I was um, able to go to my mother's house, which was not uh, facts. And, and so, you know, I was that, at that point I was, you know, there was no safety net. It was no going back or anything like that. I don't like to hear things like that because the system has fail you since a child. That's what it seems like. A person yeah. under 18, they cannot take care of themselves. I'm not saying it can't be, if you're a celebrity, you have like, you know, Macaulay Culkin, he had money, you know? He could take care of himself and not be with his parents. But a child who's already under the system, that's the city's job, that's the state's job to take care of that child. And they have definitely failure. And it's very sad that that could even happen. I don't care if you're 12, you're coming back. No, take that child back in and you lead them to where they need to go. They should not be on the street. I, it just the system is just so messed up, and I just don't get it. I don't understand. But I'm sorry well, to continue. Well, that's one of the things that fuels a lot of what I do today. Um, you know, because it's like I understand the trauma of of homelessness. I also understand the trauma of being at the mercy of the system, 
and the system failing you. So I think about not just me as an adult experiencing homelessness or other adults experience. I think about those thousands of young people that are experiencing homelessness and or that are in foster care and many of us age out of foster care. Mine was a little earlier, but a lot of us age out of foster care, 18, 21, and we're still left with the same lack of resources to stabilize us. And we end up in the experiencing homelessness or, or doing things just for survival's sake. And so, you know, that's a very real thing that um, that I know well, you know, because some people, they see me now and they think this is just a today thing in terms of my homeless experience, but it's it's a it's really or, or here's the other thing. Some people think that oh he's homeless because you know he was a, a alcoholic or he was mentally right. ill. That's um, what they always say. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that has nothing to do with it. Right. It has to do with this system, this the, the way things are really failing me. They failed me as a child. And right. they, they, I, you know, I don't go into my whole story, but they failed me as an adult. You know, right. when they, when a simple clerical error had me paying child support for a son that I take care of, that that I raised. It's this so is their fault. This is like not that. my fault. Right. And I only entered a shelter to convince because I tried. It, it was a ten-year process. I tried so many different things to get them to stop that order and correct themselves and they never did it. And so my way, reason for entering the shelter was to be able to show you're paying for him and me. So obviously he's in my custody. Right. And this was my slick way of trying to say, to show them so when I go back to court, so that process took two years. And what I didn't realize for a lot of people, but this was my reality as well, is when you enter the shelter, it's almost impossible to get out of that cycle of homelessness. It's and true. So it, you know, I had my son, I raised him in a family shelter system from throughout his uh, junior high school years and his high school years and watched him graduate from, uh, from high school while we were still in the shelter system. That's crazy. That's really, uh, I don't know. It's a lot. It really is a lot, to be honest. Um, tell me, did you go through PATH, I would assume? Because it's, it's been a while. So I don't know if- Yeah, I went, yeah I, I went through PATH. I went through the normal channels. But when I did it, the only difference was that there were not a lot of resources for Black well, I don't want to say black for male fathers. Oh, really? So when I was going, that was one of the problems is like a lot of times they didn't believe, you know, I've been told like, I, I don't, I don't believe that the mother, why would a mother leave a child with the father? It's like, right. what? you know, and, and, and why, why would you even do it? Cause it's my son. It's like, it's not about exactly. the mother. The mother can't handle what I got. You know what I mean? Right. But like, and then there was a thing of, well, you have to prove that he's in your custody. How, what do you mean? He's with me. No, no, you got to get a court. Did the court give him to you? I'm like, so when I go to court, the judge is saying, I will never do that. And I'm like, huh? And the judge is saying, because the mother doesn't have to do that. Why right. would why, you and the mother have the exact same right? right. It's exactly. a question of who's the custodial parent. 
but you don't have to go to court to prove that you're the custodial parent. Right. So you go back to them and let them know, no, you don't have to do that. And I never, I, you know, I never complied with that because it was a violation of my right as a father. And, right. and so these are the trauma, these are the trauma and the trials that I went through trying to, um, to get this thing uh, uh, taken care of. But, but it, it cost me a lot because it was like, even then my, um, my um, you know, my son, we, he aged out and they wanted us to work, walk into a, uh, how do you say, uh, adult shelter, adult shelter. Okay. Which, which I was like, nah, never that, you know, not with my son. And, and so I had to spend time helping to stabilize him. But in that process, a lot of times not to impose on people now as to, you know, me being a, an adult, right. grown adult. And then I got my growing, my, you know, my young adult son with me. So it's different when he was a child. Right. But now to impose on people, it's, it's a little more difficult. It's, it so, seems like two men not, you know, it seems like that. Yeah because he's over 18, that's but still he's a child. You know, your child is a child, no matter how, they could be 50. If you're still alive, that's still going to be a kid. You want to do the best for them, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. And it's my responsibility, no matter what I'm raising them. Right. You know? So those type of trials kind of made it difficult for me as a single adult of, of dealing with homelessness. But, you know, we had to, you know, we, we've overcome it. But that's where I led, I found myself in the, uh, in the adult shelter system. Got it. So going back to path, I like to always start from like the beginning. Like you told me about your foster care, how you got into it. But when you went to path, what made you decide to go to path? Because before this, I would assume that you was with, because he said he went to, in, well, your son was in junior high school. So there's a lot of time kind of spanned in the middle of that. So how the only did you- reason why I went to path yes. was to get, stop taking the child support for me. Okay. The only reason why I had to go to PATH because I'm a single parent and right. that's the family shelter. But I went because every other avenue I turned to, including leaving the state, he's always um, popping up on his mother's case. And right. no matter what, I went to fraud, I went all over the place. I, I, I would, you know, I, I had to leave the state to get him removed from the case. So in other words, you know, you can't have two PA cases, period. That's true. So when I left the state, I had HRA in another state threaten to sue New York City if oh. they didn't remove her from her case. That was the only way. So when I came mm -hmm. back to New York, I have other children. So I came back to engage my other children. Okay. When I returned to New York, I said, I have to take care of this child support because it makes it different. I was still paying the child support for my son and then I still had to take care of my son. But the negative part is things like, like when you're trying to get medical and right. stuff like that. I couldn't do that when, 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 during this process. So I thought about, well, what if you go in the shelter? If you go in the shelter, they'll be forced to acknowledge that he's with you. Cause the first time I tried it, they did, they, it, it didn't work. This okay. time I went to ACS. Oh, okay. I don't never really tell these stories, but I went to ACS and I told them, yo, listen, I want to make a report. They're like, who, who, what you want to report? I said, I want to report, make a report against DHS. I said, in the city of New York. It's like, right. what? <laughs> I said, yo, 
Yeah. So the, 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 the guy there's like, wait, 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 wait. He said, look, first of all, we're gonna take, we're gonna keep this off the record. He said, so they, you sound crazy. I said, I said, yo, they're not doing their job. It's you know, record so, now. <laughs> yeah. So he said, what he did was he wrote a letter. Right. And his letter basically was saying to DHS, give this man, let him in the shelter. So this time they let me in and I, I, I ended up going past the 10 day stay because that was what was happening before for months. We'd be every 10 days ineligible, ineligible, ineligible. And we like, damn, that was like the favorite part. Yeah. Once, once we walk that. in, we see the letter on the floor. We like, oh, we got, we got to the point we just, we didn't buy nothing. We just kept our stuff packed because we knew yeah. we were going to be sent somewhere else. And think about a child that's in school or, or uh, I think he was going to like his uh, first grade, second grade, something like that. Think about a child having to switch school every 10 days or switch boroughs. It was crazy. It is. So, so sometimes like for the school session, I would have to go somewhere else to stabilize them and then come back in the summertime. And the whole thing was I was trying to stop them from continuing to take the child support that they wasn't supposed to take. Right. And so, you know, finally we ended up in there and I waited, I think six months. And now there's no denying well, and even when I sat before the judge, he's like, well, how do you know? I said, listen, this, and the HRA is there. So they're working on behalf of the mother who's collecting the benefits, but don't have custody and haven't seen my son. Right. And so she's like, 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 yo, uh, so, so the, she's like, well, we don't even see the mother. And we, with, there's problems with the paperwork. So I said, I know there's problems with the paperwork. She cannot produce one uh, doctor's note, one school record, one immunization, none of that. So what's going on? So the judge right. is looking, what? And, and here's, the, here's the irony of the story. And I'm gonna end this part here. The reason why I, they did this, it was a clerical error from the, from the court clerk. Right. I was told because I was pursuing custody of two, my two daughters from the same mother. I'm following what the judge says, who says you have to open up an HR, a, a, a PA case. Yeah. Because you need a source of income. Yeah. I'm I, in the music business, I made quite a few dollars. So I was sitting on some money, which I didn't really need the money, but she said that's you need a, to have to have a source of income. That's so true. I followed her procedures, and as a condition, you have to apply for child support. Right. I applied for the child support, but just to show you how it goes for black men, instead of listing me as the petitioner, they listed me as the respondent. And that's how the mother was able to get it. And she never did the responsible thing and let them know that he's not with me. She just kept the money. Wow. Yeah. So this is just repeated failures. I'm like, yo, right. what? <laughs> you know, so now I speak from what I call trauma-informed activism. I am so traumatized. Right. I can't stop. I can't stop <laughs> until I tear the damn thing down. Right. You can't stop because it's like after one thing, after the next thing, after the next. It's like you literally are living these experiences just to make sure you can make something better for somebody else who's coming up behind you. Which I think is a good, you know, good thing. It might have been hard when it was happening, but definitely I know from everything that you have done and the changes you have put in and helped 
which it changes honestly with shelter systems are very, very slow, but it does happen. I know people who are behind you get very grateful for it because of what you had to go through and fight for. People are gonna have better lives, you know? They're not gonna have to go through as much, even though it's still, it's not the best, but it's better than what it was, you know? So I think that's, it's honorable, <laughs> it definitely is. So your time in the shelter, how was that for you? And how was that like, did they help you to get things in? Did they, because they, you know, what do they did, do for you when you were there? I was just being warehouse, like 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 everybody else. Um, I, I honestly was never really looking for housing okay. um, in, in that aspect. Like I said, my original intent was to stop the child support. I, I was, uh, you know, I never had a problem working or anything like that. But because I got so destabilized, it became a different thing. Okay. So, 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 you know, this last hooray into the shelter system it was during the pandemic that I was like, wait a minute, hold up. I got to do something. Oh, this is um, recent. Yeah, I thought it was recent. much further back for some reason. No, this is, I, I you know, I look, I, I've been on and off homeless for a long time. And the, the, the other thing is encountering the, the NYPD's, I think they call it the diversion unit, or yeah. it was the diversion program. And that experience of encountering officers being placed in a jail cell, handcuffs, and then take them to a shelter and told if I don't stay there, then I'm gonna get a ticket. That was traumatizing. And so now I'm stuck in a place that I don't wanna be in. I prefer the streets and I'm stuck now. And I'm like, yo, this is just not working out. And then the pandemic comes a few months later and, and it's, it was horrible for us because you know, we didn't, we, we was, it just, it was just horrible because we were in extreme danger during that time. And if you, and I say that because when you look at the mortality rate, people that were in the shelters where their, the mortality rate, they had a 67% higher mortality rate than the entire population in New York City. I would think so. so. Yeah, so think about it. That and this is the height of the pandemic. Right. That was the level of danger that we faced in the shelter. So if everybody else was unsafe, because you've seen those refrigerated trucks, right. can you imagine how safe, unsafe we were? So I started advocating first for the food because the food was hard; always been horrible. Oh my god! Horrible yeah. is, is an understatement. Horrible would have been nice to get. <laughs> It was worse than horrible. Oh my god! So, so I started behind the close, behind the scenes, speaking on that. Um, but I wasn't. I I developed the name the homeless hero because I wasn't talking for me. I was talking for other people, and I wanted to get something that we all could identify with. And I think, you know, like like the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell. Um, we all on a journey in this homeless experience. And so I wanted something that could represent all of us on the journey and not just sham. And so that's where the name, the homeless hero comes from. But uh, I was writing as the homeless hero also to prevent myself from being retaliated against. Oh, and uh, yeah. And and so, so that was like the original activism it was like this food is nasty we got to change it and then it was like we're in a, a dangerous environment 
we have to we have to be safe. Like we don't have hand sanitizer. We don't have nothing. Like oh really? Stuck. In the pandemic, I'm so confused. The pandemic, so we didn't have. They, they wouldn't put wow. soap. I never seen his hand sanitizer. And then remember, everything shut down. So the idea, it's not just you know, it's not just like bad, a bad thing from the shelter provider, but it was just the fact. Now we're in this pandemic. We're stuck in this place, and and it's like the, no supplies are coming through. So it was it was extremely difficult. Yes, guys. I hope you like the conversation thus far. We have so many other parts to this, and I hope you enjoy what we have upcoming for you this year. We want to do bigger and better things coming out on this podcast. If you have any ideas or have any requests or any questions, you can definitely DM me on our different platforms. Um, and the information down below will be there for you to get in your earliest convenience. Thank you for supporting the channel. Hopefully, hopefully you can also share out our page to different people so different people can hear the stories of the people who are usually unnamed and unwanted in most times. Talk to you guys later.